0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Silver Screen podcast for this, a very special Halloween treat, a crossover episode between two podcasts or, well, one and a half podcasts, but that's a long story, which we'll get into later. Um, As you'll have seen on social media and again on our banner and everything, uh, we're reviewing a particularly uh, gruesome, scary movie for this uh, sort of spooky season. We're going to look at The Thing. That's John Carpenter's original, not the 2011 prequel, which bizarrely has the same name. Don't get me started. Uh, but as usual, as I said, uh, I am joined by my normal podcast co-host, DK. Hello. Or D. Creedy, as, he, as he's labelled himself, <laughs> in, in, I presume, a vain attempt to try and look as cool as Kurt Russell. <laughs> uh, he's saying I'm not. And... <laughs> you Well, I kidding? mean... <laughs> Dude, you'll never be as cool as Santa Claus. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, as I said, this was intended to be a crossover between us and the uh, big screen podcast. And unfortunately uh one of the big screen hosts uh will couldn't be with us you'll have seen him all throughout the two channels that we have this in the trek one he's had a bit of an emergency which i won't get into for the sake of his own privacy but suffice to say it was an understandable sort of home emergency uh which has meant he hasn't got power or the ability to join us today but he has sent me through his conclusion and score which we will talk about at the end but we do have the other half of the big the current big screen podcast lineup uh theo stokes is joining us to talk all things the thing
1: hello (laughs)
0: <laughs> You're with the very appropriate uh, was it Among Us little avatars. <laughs> so yeah um, yeah I mean uh, it, it was. Uh, thanks for joining us Theo it was nice that we were able to at least get three out of the four of us together for this so glad cool. to be here awesome awesome and I'm presuming you've seen the thing at least
1: now if not before <laughs> okay so I've seen the thing before but uh-huh. it's been a while so I might be a bit rusty but I am familiar and I am and, uh, yeah, I, I'll know most of the stuff we talk about, don't worry.
0: That's fair enough. That's no problem. Um, Diki, I don't I don't know why I'm asking this, but I'm, I'm assuming you've seen the thing a lot of times probably. Once or
2: twice. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and I, uh, I've seen it a couple of times already, but I did just literally a couple of days ago watch uh, the Arrow video Blu-ray release that I recently got. Um, didn't have a chance to delve into the features, but my word, I thoroughly recommend getting it because there's a lot of stuff on there. Um, so... But yeah, enough bragging. (laughs) Um, As if you are new to us, um, what we do here is we start off with a little kind of behind-the-scenes information and stuff. Then we break down the film in just random categories that we have, um, acting, directing, etc. It's not necessarily linear, but if uh, the conversation flows a certain way, that's where we go. If you haven't seen the movie, then beware of spoilers, obviously. Uh, we'll give conclusions, scores, audience interaction, and all of that business. We're already the next thing we'll move on to will be the behind the scenes section, uh, which DK normally does. I think we have a little bit uh, of information each, though, to share and hopefully maybe even have a chat about or maybe be interesting to some people. Um, so without any further ado, I'm going to pop on our behind the scenes music. And DK, as soon as you hear it, you can take us away.
2: Oh, yeah. Right. Uh- The plans to make this movie was going on for almost a decade before Carpenter came on board. Producer Stuart Cohen initially wanted Carpenter, but not having made Halloween at this point, Universal declined, preferring Toby Hooper, who had just had relative success with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Hooper envisaged an almost Moby Dick affair, with the creature being hunted down by an Ahab-type character. This didn't align with Cohen's vision and the two parted ways. Discussions were then held with John Landis before he also passed, and the project finding its way back to the capable hands of Carpenter. So, just goes to show that studio heads back then just, were just as capable as they are today.
0: <laughs> are not at all? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: both John Carpenter and his partner at the time, Adrian Barbeau, have cameos in the movie. Carpenter himself is one of the Norwegians on the videotape recovered from the base. Paul Barbeau, who moviegoers will known for her roles in other Carpenter movies such as The Fourth and Escape from New York, is the voice of the chess computer MacReady disagrees with at the start of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) At around 15 minutes into the movie, the rescued dog wanders down a corridor, pauses at a door where a shadow of one of the base's inhabitants can be seen and enters. Carpenter wanted to keep the identity of the base member mysterious. As such, none of the actors in the production were used to cast that shadow. Now, yeah. Now, Rob Bottin, the creative behind the creature itself, overworked himself to such a point on set that he was hospitalized due to exhaustion. Stan Winston came in to work on the dog creature effects to take up the slack, but like a true gent, insisted that his work remained uncredited.
0: He does get a special thanks, though, because I did have that fact as well. (laughs) Oh, nice one.
2: Now, several endings were shot for the movie. There was initially a happy ending, which saw McCready in a military base back in Civilization having a blood test to confirm that he was not the creature. Uh, But Carpenter didn't actually like that ending. There was also a more downbeat one, where the entire crew died and the creature escaped once more in the form of a dog. Again, Carpenter wasn't that keen and uh, he preferred the ending that we ultimately got the ambiguous one. The movie was a box office bomb, which dispirited Carpenter as it's the movie he's most proud of. It was such a disappointment box the office that Carpenter was dropped from a multi-picture deal that Universal had him under. Released in 1982, both this movie and Ridley Scott's Blade Runner had to compete with E.T. And, you know, neither stood a chance. However, since then, both have received the recognition they deserve and are both lauded as classics of the genre. It's safe to say that the th- had the thing been successful, Carpenter's career post the thing would have looked very different. In many ways, so I think it's kind of a blessing as we wouldn't have had some of the movies that he's given us since. Indeed. And last one in August 2003, a couple of die hard fans, Todd Cameron and Steve Crawford, ventured to a remote filming location in Stewart, British Columbia. And after 21 years, they found the remains of Outpost 31 and the Norwegian helicopter. The rotor blade from the chopper now belongs to Todd and rests in his collection of memorabilia from the movie. Awesome!
0: Oh, that's cool. Awesome. Nice.
2: Um, yeah. Well, I just have a few
0: things as I uh, as I said. So the first thing is related to what you were saying about the alternative endings. I did find that the the writer Bill Lancaster's original ending had both Macready and Childs turn into the thing. Uh, in the spring, the characters are rescued by a helicopter and greet their saviors with, "Hey, which way to a hot meal?" Um, so quite a spooky alternative ending, but apparently Carpenter thought that was too shallow. Uh, in total, Lancaster did four drafts of the screenplay. Uh, the original novella on which it's based, which is called Who Goes There, uh, did end with the base crew being victorious, defeating the Thing, but worried that a bunch of birds that they see flying past might have been infected and could be spreading it to the rest of the world, much like the sort of paranoid um projections that we see in this film uh, yeah. carpenter opted to end the film with the survivors slowly freezing to death to save humanity from infection believing that to be the ultimate heroic act but eventually lancaster wrote the ending we got which eschews a twilight zone style twist or the destruction of the monster as he wanted to instead have an ambiguous moment between the pair of trust and mistrust fear and relief so and we'll talk about whether we think it worked or not later but you know i think we all probably <laughs> will end up liking it um <laughs> let's see what else have we got here as i mentioned this, the film was based on a- it was written a long long ago um, which has previously inspired a movie called the thing from another world in the 50s bit of a 50s b movie uh, carpenter is a fan of that film you know that because he actually has the uh, characters watching that film in halloween 1978 uh, mm-hmm. so he'd already kind of showed an interest before he remade it Um, The stars of the original weren't too fond, unfortunately, of Carpenter's remake, uh, calling it everything from vacuous, shallow, over-the-top to a great um, advertisement for JB Whiskey, which, fair. (laughs) The film's uh, initial premise, as in the original film, was based around the likes of the fear of communism in the wake of the red scare or the reds under the bed stuff and the mccarthy hearings uh, this version has similarly been compared to other metaphors that might be more appropriate for the time such as the fear of homosexuality the hiv and aids epidemic cold war tensions and post vietnam fatigued counterculturalism, as it's called um as D.K. already said, the only female presence in the entire movie is the chess voice, which is provided by Adrienne Barbeau, uh, suggesting a perhaps uh, a sort of undercurrent of toxic masculinity, particularly as the uh, chess computer isn't treated very well, uh, being called a cheating bitch. And with uh, McCready already emphasising that he would rather destroy everything than lose, uh, <laughs> which kind of comes into play later. Um, the Atlantic's Noah Berlatsky said that unlike typical horror genre films, Women are excluded, allowing the thing to be identified as a fear of not being a man or of being homosexual. Uh, Vice's Patrick Marlborough considered the film to be a scathing examination of manliness, noting that identifying the thing requires intimacy, confession, and empathy to out the creature, but male frailty prevents this as an option. Trapped by pride and stunted emotional growth, the men are unable to confront the truth out of fear of embarrassment or exposure. balatsky noted that McCready avoids emotional attachments and is the most paranoid, which is what allows him to be the hero. This detachment works. Against him in the finale, which leaves McCready locked in a futile mistrust with Childs because each doesn't really know the other. Um, So, yeah, and the very last thing that I wanted to say about this is I have to mention this. It's a little bit shallow, but if you haven't seen it, there was a remake of this movie, a very short remake done uh, with the characters from Pingu, which I'm going to have to link in the comments because it is brilliant. It is an episode of Pingu, but with the plot of the thing, and it is exactly as. uh, Hilarious as you would imagine. So, uh, is this a real yeah, thing and you... not a
2: parody?
0: It's a real thing. I mean, it's not. It wasn't an actual episode of Pingu, It was a parody oh, made by say. somebody. But. Yeah, but like in the style of Fingyu, so it's full on stop motion animated. It looks exactly like an episode of Fingyu until, you know, people start bursting open and <laughs> spider heads crawl around and what have you. But it was just weird. I think somebody put two and two together and were like, Antarctic setting, Fingyu and the thing. So yeah, I think it's called The you, and it is available to watch free on YouTube. It's only like six or seven minutes long, but still pretty amusing. <laughs> so yeah, that would uh, conclude what I know. And that ends the behind the scenes section. So we'll turn off the jazz club music. <laughs> so, Theo, did you learn anything from all of that rambling or not? Uh,
1: the only thing I really knew from what you guys are saying is I knew about the whole Halloween, uh, the thing from another world. Uh, I have seen mm. the thing from another world.
0: Oh, cool. I have the DVD.
1: <laughs> I was on uh, BBC iPlayer, so I just watched ah, it there. Okay.
0: Fair enough. What did you think of the original and out of curiosity?
1: I quite liked it. I thought it was yeah, pretty it. decent. Like, it's not amazing, but it's pretty decent.
0: For a 50s B-movie, it's it's one of the better crop. It's not as good as I, some
1: of my favourites. But... I have given it a full review on my letterbox. Oh,
0: okay, fair enough. I will link your letterbox in the comments <laughs> then as well. <laughs>
1: That's one of the only films I've actually done a full review for. There's only like six so far. <laughs> <laughs> so you get you too obsessed. I do
0: them all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I like to just get a film that gets me feeling somewhere and I'm like, Dah! I'm going to spend 20 hours doing this one thing.
0: Um, With that out of the way, then we're going to move on to just talking about the movie in general. So if anybody has any thoughts or uh, comments or wants to take any uh, baton from us and and run with it. Um, The first thing that I personally have notes about is the writing and the plot. Um, So if if anybody's happy, I'll move on starting with that. Um, The first thing I wanted to mention is the opening, which happens briefly in space, uh, which is really the only kind of hint that the thing is necessarily like an alien being. Uh, it really reminded me of the opening of Predator, which similarly has like the sci fi space setting for the first like minute and then doesn't for the rest
2: of the movie. Yeah, I've got um, that in my notes as well.
0: Yeah, um, it's it's weird because the flyings also, I think, as well looked terrible. So I really kind of wish they hadn't done that because, like, if we'd seen it crashed, it would have been fine. But seeing it, I just thought it looked really cheesy in that opening sort of a minute or so. Um,
2: I believe I read the, that he wanted that in as part of a homage to the first one.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. I wouldn't have known that, you see, but... Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, Speaking of things we probably should have mentioned earlier, um, the dog being chased by the Norwegian team, uh, obviously taking place somewhat in the middle of some action, is a plot thread that would be taken up by the prequel in 2011, which is apparently bad. Um, I have to say that I was really intrigued. Every time I watch this movie, I'm intrigued to watch the prequel, but I know it has a terrible reputation. So literally just a few hours ago, earlier today, I was like, you know what, I'm going to look up and see just clips on YouTube from the prequel and see what they're like. It's terrible. <laughs> it's absolutely atrocious. They use CGI instead of practical effects, which takes away the entire point of what makes this movie good. I'm interested to know what you guys think about the beginning, because I think this is... I. I Miss the fact that it doesn't introduce us to any of the characters that we'll follow in the sort of outpost that, that we're following <laughs> for the film. But I do like how intriguing this start is and the fact that it doesn't feel the need to open with any kind of explanation. It's just in the middle of it. And you wouldn't necessarily know that the dog was creature unless you speak Norwegian, uh, which I did find out. Apparently, the subtitles do translate. And if anybody Norwegians were in the audience, they would have been spoiled because the chap in question apparently is saying... What are you doing? Get the heck away from it! It's not a dog; it's a thing pretending to be a dog. Move back, you idiots! So, so, yeah. Um, But yeah, so what did you guys think of the of the start? Like, did you find it as intriguing and made up? It's a little bit of a mystery. And the first time you saw it, did you kind of click that, like, hang on, this dog's clearly a monster?
2: i can't again i can't really shock i can't really remember it i mean it's it's been that long since i originally saw it but i Mm. do remember being intrigued and not obviously pegging it straight away why they were shooting at this dog but uh, so so, yeah i think i think it worked
0: yeah i can't really remember if i was surprised by the fact or if i kind of immediately clicked that the dog was it either because it was that long ago but again i still appreciate the actual nature of yeah like a mid-narrative joining in with the mystery (laughs) what about you theo
1: I love I love the opening honestly. Yeah, I cool. think I think it captures you immediately because like without like you see the um like you said the spaceship landing but then all of a sudden you're just in this like white wonderland mm-hmm. and you're following a dog and then you just see some guy trying to shoot it in a helicopter. It's like wait, what uh, you feel like you've missed something and that's what I liked is like oh, mm-hmm. I've missed something. I've got to catch up with it to see what's going on. And it's just interesting because being a Norwegian, it doesn't give it all away. So was, yeah. you can kind of put it together, like, oh, the dog's probably not a dog. There's still an era, like an era of mystery.
0: Yeah. yeah. And if not, you certainly would when, you know, the dog gets put in the kennels and oh, yeah. that happens. <laughs> but, so yeah. I,
1: just, I just looked on YouTube. the Top comment. So frustrating when the Norwegians nearly solved the crisis only to be stopped the, by the Americans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you,
0: right. you could like... argue that, I mean, there, there's so much... As far as we know, like they do say, the thing could survive in like a single cell, so killing the dog wouldn't necessarily have achieved anything, <laughs> especially since they're trying to shoot it with a gun and not yeah, even burning I it, you know. So it's like, even if they'd shot the dog, all that would happen is that they'd get shot and killed for animal cruelty. The Americans would take <laughs> the dog in to autopsy it or just to give it a burial or whatever, and the thing would still take them over. So it's still kind of daft, but uh, yeah, I suppose. Speaking of, Speaking of daft, is there anything you don't like in the uh, sort of this intro? And I will say I'm asking that because I just hate that it's so stupid that the Norwegian copper copter people blow themselves up oh, yeah. in, the, in the dumbest way possible. It's, uh, it's a proper no. Frank
2: Spencer moment.
0: <laughs> it's so stupid, and it just doesn't fit tonally. Because like, if the film had had an air of, I guess, like satirical comedy or whatever, fair enough. But As it is, it just jars with me because it's like, come on, that is beyond
2: dumb. (laughs) uh, What about you two? Did you agree with me or no? It does seem out of place, but it's uh, you know there's a certain suspension of disbelief when I think that I've grown (laughs) accustomed to over the years. So, (laughs) is this uh, your
0: mystery uh, science theater three thousand logic again? It is. I
2: should really just relax. (laughs) It that kicks in, so I should you know. So I watch it. It It's a bit dumb, but
1: I quickly forget about it.
2: Fair
0: enough. Um, yeah. Okay. What about you, Theo? Any thoughts, or I can move on if you have not have <laughs> it.
1: Uh, honestly, I don't remember the bit where they blow themselves up, but
0: that's probably they, is it, a
1: testament to that. It didn't bother me that much.
0: They go to throw a grenade and it lands in the snow, and then they try to dig it out with the snow. But can't, and it just blows up and takes like the helicopter and the pilot of the helicopter.
2: Yeah, he, he raises ah. his hand to. He, he puts. <laughs> he raises his hand back to throw the grenade. And his hand stops, but the grenade doesn't and then just slips out of the back of his hand and into the snow. (laughs) So
0: dumb. But yeah. All right, that's very stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Related to what you were saying, Theo, I, I love how this film goes to great lengths to show the kind of isolation that's going on. Like in the cinematography and the direction, it makes a point of massive wide shots of the outpost showing that there's nothing around it. It's all just white. Um, instead of, like, tight close-ups on the outpost to emphasise the camaraderie, I guess. Um, And I noticed, like, pretty much straight away at this point in the movie that they go to Windows and he says, like, this radio is crap. I haven't been able to get anybody. haven't reached anybody for days, so you know that they can't just radio for help or whatever or tell anybody about this. So,
2: again, it really emphasises that isolation for me. Um, I think, I mean, I know I'm jumping ahead, but I think the cinematography, especially in the opening, is just beautiful i think it John is out, is yeah. incredibly underrated yeah he's known as you know a b, a b movie horror director but when you look at what he's what he can do when he's given a budget i think that mm-hmm. opening is just amazing definitely and
0: i was reading something which i hadn't realized because it's sort of a subconscious thing i hadn't realized it until this time around because i've read about it but it's amazing how he uses like negative space because it implies that something could be lurking off screen and could like at any time jump out or catch you or something and that really it, it's designed to keep you tense and keep you on edge yeah um, and again I, I was feeling the tension but didn't really necessarily realize why on a conscious level and that's clever
2: yeah he's he's i mean he's a master at what he does oh, i mean obviously learned with th- he obviously learned a great deal with things like you know halloween and then the same mm. and kind of scenes are applied here later when blair steps out and uh but yeah, I, I just think he's incredibly I mean, I'm a, I'm a big carpenter fanboy, but I think he's incredibly underrated as a director.
0: Um I don't know if I'd say underrated because I know other of people who do rate him, but definitely I mean he's one of the best. <laughs> Certainly one of the best the living horror directors. Yeah, deserves the praise for sure. But well, you all know by now what my opinion is of Halloween seventy eight. So <laughs> I don't really need yeah. that anymore. Um but yeah. Uh, in terms of, since we're in the middle of praising everything, let me do the opposite now. Um, one thing that bugged me was that I didn't really think it was necessary to go to the Norwegian cabin, um, because at this point, like, the, the the function would seem to be to clue the characters in a little bit, but at this point, they have everything they would need anyway, and they're certainly gnu by the time they get back and the dog starts like, mutating and assimilating and stuff, so I was like, it just feels a bit like that's there to pad out the runtime to me. But I, by all means, if either of you disagree and have a reason why that scene's there, I'm open to hearing it. I like that.
2: I I like that they do that, and I like that it sets up certain revelations later when they're bringing back the video cassettes and they're going through them. And also that that's. But it it does lead me into another stupid thing where they find the, uh, you know, the carcass, Mm. and their first thing to do is let's fetch this back to our base.
0: Yeah, completely, yeah. yeah. Especially considering how it looks. I mean, yeah. it's quite obvious that there's something... And I did say it's a stupid thing to complain about when I almost didn't because, again, you've got to just MST3K accept some of these things. But I was like, how how do they just accept this alien creature and everything so readily? Like, nobody's questioning how this guy has, like, two faces and is hey, all controlled. They're all stuck
2: around is- within about <laughs> 10 inches of the thing. It's yeah. still smoking. None of them are wearing masks. <laughs> I would be in the corner throwing up like a, a scene from The Exorcist. Yeah. I mean, I get that you need to
0: get there for the purposes of the plot, but I just found their acceptance and their sort of buying of the explanation and their immediate suspicion of, of knowing, oh, could be anyone, a little bit too quick and kind of like, you've just learned of the existence of alien life and you're treating it like you've, you know... <laughs>
2: Oh no! An alien was do, there. Never mind. <laughs> I do find the ironic thing, and I, I, it's again, it's. I'm going back to something I read in behind the scenes during that autopsy scene. Uh, Blair Wilford Brimley, he's the one that's okay. going. Oh God! Oh God! When he's like uncovering it, and apparently behind the scenes, everybody, all of the actors are in in that scene, were actually feeling ill at this, and the only one that didn't was Wilford Brimley, because. <laughs> up until when he started acting in his 40s, he was a ranch hand and he'd it, he'd ah. it, seen you know, all this kind of stuff. So he was like really nonchalant about it and everybody else was, oh, good God, what is that thing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's fair enough. Um, my next
0: note is kind of, it, it's mean, but it's kind of, I disagree with you because I say I don't think we needed the videotape exposition. Um, at this point, it's like a hat on a hat because we've even been to the cabin and yet we're still watching the videotape. And I was like, there's a big revelation that, like, oh, this ship's landed there and it's been there 100,000 years. And I was like, that doesn't affect anything at all. It doesn't matter to the plot. It could have arrived yesterday and it doesn't affect anything. So why yeah. is that there? <laughs> you know?
2: um,
0: yeah, anyway, <laughs> that was just my thoughts on that. Uh, what was I going to say? I do like, like how I... they
2: gave a little homage to the original movie in, that, uh, in those video cassettes.
0: In what way? Uh,
2: where they're doing that entire thing where they're spacing out the uh, the circumference of the ship. Mm. Okay, cool.
0: I'm assuming you've seen the original as well then.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That is like oh, a okay. direct lift from the original except in the original they like plant C4. Like, oh, we need to throw out this spaceship. Oh, let's <laughs> blow it up. That's, that's going to work.
0: Fair enough. Do either of you have a good reason why it has to be 100,000 years old? <laughs>
1: See, I like the idea that it's if it's that old, then it kind of infers that maybe, like, this isn't the only thing out there. Mm. And it kind of, I mean, like, it plays on the idea of, like, it could be... Because if you were to talk about, like, it being... Like, this was originally something to do with, like, um the Red the Red Nation or the Communists. It kind of has that air of, like, there could be other things out there, but we're not aware of it. And it yeah. kind of says to this mystery of, like, so is this self-contained? Is this the only thing on that ship? Because it's a big-ass ship. Yeah. But it's like, is it the? Uh, surely it can't be just that one thing, because it's way yeah. too big.
0: I guess. I mean, I I suppose it also adds to the tragedy of the fact that it could have taken over us before humans had evolved, even or whatever. But it was scuppered by the fact that it just ended up frozen in the ice, and we've been safe for it for all those thousands of years until some idiot started digging in there. You know, um, it's
1: kind of like AVP with like the whole of the predators that have been here all along, but they buried yeah. it because they were. They got too scared. Yeah,
0: I guess. Like I said, I think it adds to the whole, like, don't be an idiot. Don't explore things. Don't throw it out. But naturally, it's a horror film, so they all have to be a little bit dumb. Americans (laughs) like, blow it up. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, I will say I was a little bit unclear on kind of what the thing actually was and how it, like, takes you over and, and what it involves when it's absorbing you and whatever, but I did eventually figure out by the fact that it shows you like the dripping blood from the original corpse and stuff that I was like, okay, so it's more an infection than a life form as we understand it, I guess. Um, and it it's original form. If it ever had one would probably just be like a virus.
1: Maybe I don't know. <laughs> it's like the flood.
0: Yeah. 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 Like uh, from Dr. Who? Absolutely. Yeah. It's like a single touch water. and
1: you're just, you're gone. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because even every time we see what like could be a representation of it in both movies, it's just somebody that's taken over and then warped into a horrible, grotesque mess of teeth and well, their old face and stuff. So it's like, well, what did it? What does it actually look like then? But like I said, yeah. I think I figured, well, if it can be a single cell, I guess it's just an infection and you can't be touched. And that's how it spurts blood on you to take you over and crap like that. So all right, <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll go with it. Um. <laughs> uh i I liked the tension of blair acting really weird some would say weird some would say sensible um and the way that that gives you like the massive exposition through reading the journals and stuff um when they're like we need to find out how he's feeling and conveniently he's just basically recapped what's gonna be the plot for them And I was, all right that's fair enough i'll give you that because at least one person's you know wise enough to be paranoid um but yeah that, that obviously leads to more kind of distrust and everything and the, the warning of they're not dead yet is a nice touch of like, oh crap, what, what could possibly happen? Um What was I going to say? But then, yeah, I th- I'm not sure. I think, is it Blair at this point who's taken over or they figure out somebody is? And what they say is, um oh, it, it can't be true. I've known him for years. He's my friend. And I was like, doesn't make a lot of sense with the kind of plot as it's presented, but it does kind of seem to reinforce the whole not knowing that they're secretly gay or they might have HIV or whatever, because that's something you hear a lot it's like somebody comes out of the closet and you you would hear somebody go i've known him for years he was a friend of mine i had no idea
2: angle, but yeah now you're bringing it up yeah because
0: mm. it doesn't really seem like a, a. why would you say like he's been a friend for years if he's just been taken over by the creature it doesn't really jibe but i picked it up as more of a metaphor like i said but again i could be reading too much into it but i figured that makes a bit of sense um as I said, they, they constantly go to to great lengths to emphasize that there's no escape in the trap. So the chopper being wrecked uh, by Blair, um, you know, the fact that the argument breaks out because the blood stores have been destroyed, uh, which I've said is very typical men, like instead of banding together and trying to work out something logical, it's just immediately like, who had access? who's Who's got the key? Who could it be? I don't trust any of you. Yeah, <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> um which is a shame because, like I said, I, it would have been nice to. Well, I don't. I guess it wouldn't have. It wouldn't really have fit the film the way it is, the nihilistic tone of it. But it might have been nice to show a, at least a little attempt for them to be like, "All right, how do we figure out who's who?"
2: And when we know, let's band together. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but. you do sense that, the, especially between someone people like Macready and Childs, there's a bit of animosity already there.
0: I guess yeah, and I, I never really picked it up as sheer animosity as much as the situation because at the end they seem rather friendly when they kind of just resign to their fates <laughs> no i think um, i think
2: if if when you end up working with someone you don't and you don't necessarily get get along you will uh, get along just for perfor- uh, uh, appearances sake yeah but uh yeah and I, th- I i just got that vibe maybe i've just been in too many of those situations myself i'm just an irritable bastard but uh i know yeah. what you mean
0: because Childs child comes off as that kind of character anyway he's obviously aggressive to everyone and he's the one that's very like um ah oh, screw it man i don't you know i trust any of you and i won't do this and he's i think if i recall correctly he's the one leading the charge about like keep McCready out when they think he's been infected because he's been yeah. back to the site or whatever. So,
2: yeah, I and mean, to you, be vast, you also get yeah. a bit of aggression between uh Windows and Palmer, but that does look like it from Palmer that is more down to paranoia. Where I think where the child's a McCready thing, I, I get the vibe that there was there's some kind of rubbing each other the wrong way, as it were, and uh, prior to the events of the movie, I think I was too distracted by the fact that. The
0: Blair thing, obviously, because it must have been taken over at that point, puts the seed of doubt into MacReady of keep an eye on Clark. And I was just acutely aware that he does, like, even when it's been disproven and Clark's clearly fine and even the blood tests come back fine and everything, MacReady still just seems to be like, I don't trust you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I was too busy focusing on that, but I can see what you mean. Probably, I mean, that's there's going to be tension with them all, isn't there? That's the whole point.
2: Yeah, I also do like I don't know if either of you guys picked up on it when they go back to, to Blair after he's been locked up in the cabin for a while. And mm. this is you know, before he seems almost childlike in his insistence on wanting to come back. Oh yeah, I'm fine now. Let back
0: me in. back in. I just want to be back in. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm, fine I'm all
2: now. better now. I'm fine. I'm, I'm all better. I'm not going to be bad. You know, it, it just comes across it, like this. it's a four-year-old telling you.
0: Yeah. I I appreciate the ambiguity as well that we don't really actually know when Blair gets taken over. Because like I, say, I said, you could assume he was from the start, but not necessarily because why would he be paranoid and writing in the journals and stuff? So it could be that it was when they locked him up that he was infected and it deliberately can, doesn't tell you that, which I like. Yeah. <laughs> I
2: mean, my impression is once he was locked up, some one of the infected people got at him at that point.
0: Yeah. Well we because say that there's say, it, doesn't, stuff it going wouldn't on make there. any
2: sense for him to be acting the way that he would yeah. prior to that.
0: And I did read something that um the reason that they cast Wilford Brimley apparently was because he he's very good, but has the kind of presence that you don't entirely notice the absence of. And Carpenter was like, I knew that I wanted to effectively bench him early in the film, have him come back at the very end, but not have the audience miss him and wonder where he is for the entirety of the film. And I was like, That's fair, actually, it's a good point. Because I'm never wondering, like, okay, so
2: what happened to Wilford Brimley?
0: <laughs>
2: um, I, d- I don't know, because I'm a big Wilford Brimley fan, so...
0: Ah, okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. See, I didn't even know it was him, because he hasn't got the moustache. So it took me a long time before I realised it was him. <laughs> there's a no guy that looks like a walrus. He's not in this. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That guy from Cocoon, that's not him. <laughs> anyway, Theo, so, yo, you've been very quiet. Have you any thoughts up to now about, uh, about the film?
1: Uh yeah, so I'm a little bit uh, I I get a little bit confused with names as you, you yeah know I, from was other other things are, yeah. and like actors' names, but I do um I do remember like the thing with the um don't remember his name but being like childish about like yeah, oh Blair. yeah come on like, yeah, come on guys it's, it's, I hate to say it again but it's very much like the flood thing like where it's like forty hours according to you know the rules but she's like oh but come on you know just let me out
2: it's yeah that kind
1: exactly. of like childish thing again and then. I like. I think it's true for all of the characters, but I agree with you that I like that like, we don't really know who when people get taken over.
0: Yeah, like I mean, what, I, you, I, you do when you see it. Obviously, if it's somebody like Oh yeah, on it, then they're
1: immediately. That's like enough. like yeah. the guy gets his arms chomped off. Like you're like, oh yeah, yeah. so he's so he's done. But like <laughs> well, he's dead anyway. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like he's like, well, he's a like, game over for him. But it's yeah. like with some, like especially with the ending. Like I like the idea that you just you're not quite certain. That they've been like when they've been taken over, or even how, because you could have like like you would talk about like if he wasn't infected when he was initially in quarantine, then somebody else had to get infected, and that already brings up like okay who else was infected then, like it already brings up the idea of like there's others in the room that are already infected and you don't know yet.
0: See, I I read it. Maybe it's this is because I'm too paranoid. But like I said, when I realised it was like a single cell is enough to take you over kind of thing, I was like there's we don't know like he we presume he dug the tunnels and whatever underneath where he's trying to build something. But we don't know if there was something maybe under there the whole time. Because it's, you know, it's not like it's a secure area. It's just more ice. And I was like, how scary would it be if he was locked up in quarantine? The thing, whatever it may be, kind of went to get him and he was locked in there with it. <laughs> and he was innocent the whole time. It was like, oh, that's a chilling thought. you know.
1: It's a horrifying <laughs> idea of like just um like mass hysteria and paranoia yeah. that, like, oh, even not. if someone is like 100% clear and innocent, like you're saying about Clark, I think you said that there's still mm-hmm. this air of like not trusting or not believing yeah. them, even though it's proven, and that kind of plays into the whole film rather well. I like that you never get a sense that all the characters like each other or trust each other. Oh, no, no, definitely, and not. especially <laughs> with um, the main characters, McCready, is that you pronounce his name? McCready, yeah. yeah, but the only thing with McCready is I feel like. Other people should trust him sooner because I remember when the, the first thing gets outed and he has that massive speech of like, I know I'm not infected and I'm yeah. not dead. So I know some of you are not. You think you think the other guys would be like, right, he wouldn't be saying this if he was the thing because he's basically just outed well, out the best technique to like clear the thing.
0: You say that, but you don't know how clever the thing is. Because like I said, the fact that it when it, it's got Blair, instead of being like aggressive and trying to break its way out, it's clever enough to be like, Okay, I'm just gonna pretend I'm fine, and then see if it'll sneak me in. So you don't know how devious it could be. It could
1: have been like, gotta, well, yeah, you gotta see. I know. See, I
2: always,
1: yeah. I always got like the intention that it was like it lays dormant until it's outed. Yeah. So that like the so oh. uh, what was his name? Sorry, the guy behind bars, the quarantine guy,
0: uh, Blair. Blair.
1: Like I always, I was under the impression, at least the first time I watched it, that Blair had it, but it wasn't activated yet. And it was like nice patient and then as soon as it was like outed it was like right hail mary i'm gonna make myself a giant monster and try and kill these guys yeah and obviously yeah. it fails because they burn <laughs> they burn them yeah. they burn him in a pretty <laughs> obviously in a, yeah and honestly the only scary scene for me in the film is when he's like doing his oh in the snow that's the only part of this film mm. that i'm like ah i don't like it it's scary
0: i i I don't re- didn't really remember for whatever reason the initial idea of them like suspecting Macready and locking him out and then him kind of aggressively forcing his way back in and I'll kill you all if you don't let me in and I'm frozen after death and I look like Santa Claus which I guess I will be in a few decades <laughs> 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 but uh, so yeah that that struck me as a little bit odd because I was like I'm not sure how to feel about this because obviously we know that he's not outed at that point in the film but. I kind of understand their suspicion, and I'm kind of like, yeah. I don't know if I would act any differently. To be perfectly honest, I'd be like, yeah, fuck okay. it, just leave him out there. Even if there's a chance, I guess I'm not actively killing him, but he's not getting in here. <laughs> so trolley that, I probably wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have let holes in either. Like, but, you know, never mind. <laughs> um, Uh, Speaking of Knowles, I also read in the the behind-the-scenes stuff, apologies, I know there's a lot of this kind of crap, but I read somewhere that a relatively famous um, black comedian was almost cast in the role. He had a successful audition, but he didn't actually want the part. He used the opportunity to rant about how Knowles was just a big stereotype. Um, And I was like, I kind of see where he's coming from, but I think he was a bit harsh. So I'd love to know if if you guys think Knowles is also just a, a black character stereotype.
2: To an extent, you could say that it's, it's not without validity.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, the fact all, the Jai talk the space, and the Stevie the, Wonder the loud and...
2: music and yeah, yeah. the loud yeah. music.
0: I, see, I hate, hate, hate that the supposed hero kills Clark in cold blood, and he was innocent the whole time. I was yeah. like, oh, that's that doesn't sit well with me at all. Um, But yeah, I do like that. At least the film points it out and when they realised he was innocent because of the blood test, I was like, I guess that makes you a murderer, don't it? I was like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> I get it, though. I mean, that's the whole point
2: is paranoia can make you do horrible things, gone ahead, but still, don't love it. Um, but in fairness, I mean, as the, you know, it does put it forward so that you as the audience do suspect Clark for a lot of it until that happens. So it kind of throws the audience off balance as well, because by that point, you are convinced he's one of them.
0: Mm. Speak for yourself, but okay. <laughs>
2: well, I don't, you don't. Think... Unless
1: it was a clever ruse.
0: Yeah, I, I, never suspected. Well, I don't know if I'd never. i suspected all of them basically because I'm that kind of person. So I'd be, I'd be terrible in that situation because I'd be locking myself in a room alone and being like, nobody come near me. I'm just a single one of you. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't remember particularly like specifically thinking of Clark as like oops suspicious and i do think i was probably like no it's too convenient that uh blair is just like keep an eye on clark oh i was like
2: well because how would he know <laughs> but clark does act off yeah because you know the dogs a couple of the dogs have just been killed Yeah, because he's a dog lover. I just assumed that. (laughs) Yeah, but he has that same kind of... And I think it was intended that way, because when you first Mm. see the dog and they're going about the business, the dog is just there staring into space or staring out the window, and they give Mm. Clark that same kind of intensity. People are talking to him, and it's just a thousand-yard stare.
0: I didn't notice that, but that's fair enough. I can understand where you're coming from with that. Yeah, I didn't pick that up, but... makes sense although i do remember somebody asking him how long he was alone with the dog which i guess is also to put it in your head of like he's had plenty of time to be taken over you never know um yeah fair enough uh i i obviously this is the next scene that we would come to so i have to say i'd really like the blood test scene um i love how cleverly they kind of point out the obvious which is each individual cell is like its own separate animal so that's why if you get the blood and you know hit it with something hot it will squeal and try to survive and I think it's the best kind of... This is the scariest moment for me. It's the best mislead in the film when um, they try to make it look like Gary's infected and McCready's arguing with him and like, we'll do you last, and then absentmindedly putting the thing into the dish that he's got, which then he just jumps out at him and he's like, oh, crap! Because at that point, I think even he was convinced it was going to be nothing and he would get to Gary and that would be the one that would react. But I love the way they play that because it's such a clever little mislead of the audience that we're focusing on focusing over to the left and something's happening to the right or whatever you know so i appreciated that anyway um what did you guys think out of curiosity
1: i think it was really clever yeah i think so too i think it was like just like it's like med based scanning among us you know it's just like it's a visual (laughs) way to to clear anybody but yeah the whole like every cell is its own thing and the, the that's the only like twist in terms of like a character being revealed to be the thing that I was like, oh, damn! Because if I'm correct, up to that point, the guy who's actually revealed didn't really have any evidence against him. Yeah, like, no, that, that's like what a, I mean. The, the, he was the, a pretty sound kind of character, like you kind of trust him. And then all of a sudden, he just starts like jolting. And it's like, oh nah, no!
0: That's why I like it though, because I think it's like I said, it's it's such clever misleading. Oh because yeah, the it's film, great. the film is going to great pains to make you focus on Gary. Like he's been acting weird the whole time. McCready's definitely seemed to have like singled it down to laser focusing on him the camera's only showing him it's showing their argument between the two of them and the actual guy whose body's testing like you said isn't even on screen until it reacts and then you see obviously him start to mutate or whatever and then gary and the people that are stuck tied up just be like ah what the heck get us away from him get him out of here i was like yeah exactly that's another level of terror where you're like these people that are in fact innocent are now tied up and basically just you know, fishing a barrel for the thing, which <laughs> is just, just like ha-ha, thanks. You <laughs> know, they can't escape.
2: Um I, I, I watched this, I watched it just a couple of days ago with someone else, and they've seen it several times now. And even now they're guessing who is infected and who isn't. They can't remember. <laughs> and I don't know if it's set up in that way so that it it's a, you know it's there for rewatchability, but even now there are times when i'm just thinking is it him because i you know it's it, it, just the way it's it's set up i think they've done a, he's, he's done a really good job with it i i think that's
0: personally a bit of an one of the flaws that i would point to because i think part of that is the fact that no character other than like McCready and childs i guess has any character so there's nothing to latch on do so i didn't really particularly care which one of them was infected because we didn't know anything about them at that point. Like we got to know Blair, so I think that was fair enough, and that was a good decision. And yes, I obviously, you know, because of them being big movie stars, we know you know Kurt Russell, Keith David, and Wilford Brimley now. But the rest yeah. of them, I was like, this this could be anybody, and I don't really know who they are. Because there's I don't been know. No... I
2: have a fondness for Palmer.
0: I don't even know who... see, I don't even know who that is.
2: Palmer's <laughs> the uh, the one that did turn out to be the thing on the couch. See, I can't remember him doing anything until that point, though. <laughs> he, well, you know, I mean, he's a stereotype, but he was your laid-back '60s stoner type. He were always, he were always, he always had a blunt in his hand, and uh-huh. uh, I, I think he he was a, a pilot along with Macready of the helicopter. It mentions it at the start, and he wants to go out in the helicopter, and he immediately okay. shuts him down, and so he comes out comes out with that like deadpan line, "Oh, okay, thanks, thanks for, for thinking considering about it." it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, I get who you mean now, but yeah, that's that's the least developed kind of... Like, I was struggling, because I knew I was reviewing it. I was like, I'll try and get a handle on who I could name. And like I said, I could tell you who McCready is, who Childs is, who uh, Blair is. I know Gary, because he's basically the base commander. And he's like the first guy to kill the poor Norwegian dude, which I felt was totally unnecessary, because he breaks the window to do it, to shoot his pistol out of it. And I was like, just walk to the flipping door, man. What are you doing? Talk about overdramatic. You're in the middle of the Arctic, right? Now you haven't got a window to protect you from the cold. Fool. he he did come across like he thought he was in a western exactly yeah (laughs) uh, anyway um so yeah may as well talk about the bit obviously at the end we go back and find out that not only is blair infected but he's been building something we don't know what um whether it be i think in the original it's some kind of like nuclear weapon or atomic uh, bomb or something that could potentially destroy the world i think in here it's hinted that it might be a, a ship to escape with or something um, but then eventually they, they realize it's just given up and just wants to freeze, which again is another chilling, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, idea that it's just like, well, I'm defeated. They're all seeing through me, but if I just do what I did for like thousands of years, I'll go back, get frozen. Then there'll be a rescue team that comes and they will foolishly thaw me out because people are stupid. And then we'll try this again. <laughs> so Like yeah, kind of appreciate that. It kind of reinforces the, like I always say, the nihilistic tone, like reinforced again by them saying, we're not getting out of here alive. At the very end, um, that's and trials, obviously, and uh, yeah, like I said, uh, as you said, um, Theo, the kind of jump scare about Blair uh, when he finally pops out behind him, and he clearly like assimilates Gary with that weird like touching his hand to his mouth and then there being a bizarre, I guess melding of, of skin or something. It's like a mushy mouth effect. I don't know how else to put it. Um, mm. And then it basically turns into a tremors thing or a giant sandworm to pop out of them. <laughs> Uh, which is cool I, I liked the effects on that actually i really did and i loved that it uh when it comes out and it's a bizarre mess of like dog teeth and jaws and then there's still one of the chap's faces at the top like just waving around i was like all right i appreciate the effect on this this is pretty cool um yeah and then obviously as i said the ending i really really like the ambiguity of the ending that you don't know if it's either of them if it's both of them and the fact that it ends instead of in any kind of way that you might expect it just ends with well we'll just sit here a while see what happens I was like yes and uh, I do know that there are people that have like tried to analyze every frame of like who is the thing at the end and stuff I don't care I don't want to (laughs) know there's theories about like oh um characters that aren't possessed always the cinematographer puts a little glint or something in their eyes and at the end trials doesn't have it have it so it's clearly him and I was like I don't care <laughs> <You know? laughs> that defeats the point if you're looking for clues as carpenter himself has said but then in his next breath he says like but i know who the thing really is i'm just not telling and i was like ah oh, don't do that <laughs> i prefer there wasn't actually a clear answer you know um so yeah that takes me through all of the like plotting and stuff before i move to the next bit any thoughts on that from either of you all of the stuff i've talked about
1: oh uh, i have touched on the i want to talk about the effects you briefly mentioned mm-hmm. like the whole uh, hit the the chap's face up at the top and all that. The effects in this film are just stunning. They are just yeah. works of art. Like they yeah. they all stick with you like you said, um like the big blob monster base at the end, when the dog okay. metamorphosizes into the thing. It's freaky as all hell and it's makes some weird gooshy noises, you're like, it's been uncomfortable, but it looks sick. And yeah, especially I... like the head crab, the head spider thing. That 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 was badass. Oh, yes.
0: I do talk about that. It might seem like I've jumped over a lot of that, but I talk about it in like direction rather than like plot, because I'm assuming it was just written as like this person has revealed rather than the sheer detail of exactly how gross it is and what happens. But like you said, the, the um, guy, the chest munching a guy's arms off, which apparently they did by hiring um, an amputee and putting fake arms on him that he could then just tear off. Um, because you don't see his face in that shot, obviously. I was like, that's clever. I like that. Um, so, yeah, that scene is great. The scene where the head just becomes a big spider, obviously. <laughs> and as I was uh, kind of hinting at, I like the fact that it clearly tries to show that whatever it's previously assimilated, it kind of remembers in some kind of genetic memory because the bizarre thing at the end does have dog faces and dog jaws on it, as well as, like, the people that it's it's assimilated. So I was like, that's, that's so freaky. It looks so gross and horrifying but it's still identifiable because you're like oh look it's part of a dog Ew. <laughs> so, um did you guys pick up on that or no
1: yeah yeah
2: not yeah. oh, fair enough
1: also, <laughs> I agree. With, i agree with you completely about the ending like leave it ambiguous i don't want to know the answer it's perfect the way it is like hmm. I, I like you can have your own theories like i imagine I'll probably we we watch I'll probably rewatch it again and have my own theories on it cuz the first time I watched it i think i was on the train of McCready was infected at that point ah yeah. just because we followed it the whole time it felt like that would be like the move to make to be like oh, you followed this character all along and now he's infected oh no yeah but i i prefer that like we don't we don't get a clear answer that we'll never get the answer hopefully and that is just some mysterious thing that we have to go through it frame by frame to even get a hint of a clue
0: well i like that it basically it's schrodinger's ending isn't it because it could be it kind of lets you have your cake and eat it in that it could do any of the endings they wanted like if you choose to believe neither of them were infected but they let themselves freeze to death because you know it's the heroic thing to do to stop the thing from escaping you could say that happened if you want to believe they're both infected and that there's a chance that it's a really bleak ending and if rescue comes, it might start to take over the whole world off screen. You could believe that if you want to, if you want to believe one of them is, but the other one's just scuppering them by not giving any away. way. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. So I kind of like, like I said, I like not knowing because I prefer the idea that all options are open to you that way. Um, yeah. or oh, more
1: distressing if they're both not infected that would be so sad
0: that's what I mean <laughs> I don't... though but that's that's kind of the ending Carpenter wanted which is like nobody's infected but they let themselves freeze to death because their thinking is well we can't be rescued because if we're rescued who knows if this thing is attached to our clothes or would somehow get it to be under the rescue chopper or whatever so instead we'll just die <laughs> also if,
1: you, if you think about it in the sense of like if one of them is infected the other one isn't and they're just going to wait it out then whoever, if whichever is infected they got what they want, they get to freeze again Yeah, Like, this is a no-win situation. That's the perfect type of ending. It's just a no-win situation. Especially for a horror film.
0: That's the point. It's thoroughly nihilistic, (laughs) isn't it? There's there's no good victory, really, is there? There's Um, no way you can win this. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Awesome.
2: Cool. Any thoughts before I move to acting, DJ? No, I just think it's a really really well-done script. And, you know, I mean, you've mentioned, obviously, that you have problems apart from the main characters differentiating. But I do think... For the most part, they're uh, they're quite they're quite well defined. The only one I feel sorry for, who I think, got short shrift, is uh, is Fuchs, because right. he's yeah. the one that alerts Macready. He's the one that's helping Macready, and then he just kind of gets shuffled off off screen.
0: Yeah, there is. I think I read somewhere there's a deleted scene or something that deals with it, but they didn't like the effect or they it didn't quite pan out. So. Yes, he just disappears off screen and you assume he's killed or taken over or whatever. Um, But again, I couldn't point out to what he'd done prior to that. So I'm sorry. I just, that's another character. I was like, I've written the name down and I was like, which one's Fuchs? I I don't have a clue. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) But uh, yeah, having said that, I did read that the original novel, um, the outpost base has like 70 odd people or whatever. And one of the first things they decided to do in adapting it was like, let's say there's about 12. You yeah, know, trying to give like 70 people character development it's not going to really work, is it? So, yeah, appreciate that. But, um, yeah, so just some notes on the acting from me then. Um, like I said, when they first find the corpse, I actually thought there was a little bit of overacting from the way they were all like, oh, I'm going to puke. But now that yeah. you tell me that the, that was probably just an actual natural reaction, <laughs> I kind of can't blame them for that because that was real. So, fair enough. Um, I I love the way – like I said, Wilford Brumley is a great actor anyway, so his paranoid but ultimately wise breakdown, I think, is really well played. And whilst it's happening, I genuinely felt sorry for Windows as he's, like, kind of bloodstained and cowering in the corner, like, oh, he's going to kill me or whatever. Um, But then there's a complete flip side of that. Windows starts acting super creepy during the blood test. So then I'm like, oh I felt bad for you earlier, and now I'm starting to suspect you. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Um, Yeah, Kurt Russell is great, obviously. I think he has the commanding presence you need for to believe that this is a guy who would take charge and that they would listen to and eventually follow. Um, the, the idea of him being so weary as well, you can kind of sense him getting more and more tired. And even as he's making the recording, it, he just seems knackered by it all. Um, Keith David, like we mentioned, is, he either comes off as a great badass or a bit of an arse, but, but either way, it's a good performance of it. Um, I love how he sort of whether he's an asshole or not, he comes off with his bravado for the entire sort of thing. And then when he suspects Gary, uh, they're all tied up. And then the thing busts out. He just immediately he's terrified. He's desperate. He's like, oh, I don't want to get away. Oh. I was like, all right. The, the facade just immediately drops as soon as you're in actual danger, which I appreciate. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> that was all of my thoughts about the acting. What did you
2: guys think? Anything particular or? I think they've. Uh, I, th- I think there's not a bad performance in the entire bunch, if I'm being honest. Even oh, down to, it, yeah. even down to whoever trained that dog. Oh, that dog's brilliant! <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. All the dogs are brilliant.
2: Yeah, well, the others don't really have a lot to do.
0: But yeah, I really uh, well, they managed it
1: to is. get training to like bark at the other dog. Like that couldn't have been easy.
0: Well, you know, they're dogs. You probably just put a rabbit in the middle of the room and told them they, you know, put it in a cage they couldn't get to or something. I don't know. i <laughs> being mean, I guess. But no, that, that dog that was walking around looking creepy was a very good job, good uh, animal actor. Um, and no animals were harmed, don't worry. It was all just mannequins and effects and Stan Winston maquettes and things when they were getting uh, taken over. I did love that effect as well, by the way. The fact that the dog just becomes a massive crap and then eventually grows what looks like human hands to try and push through the roof and everything Yeah, oh, creepy but, uh, yeah so anything else before i move to directing
2: then no
0: no that's everything i've got awesome uh well i've talked about a couple of things the saucer and the kind of sheer empty space uh i love how the dog kennel scene is an, a master class in how to play one of these things because it starts off briefly very tense like you can hear the wind howling there's no music you're just focusing on this staring dog so that when it does eventually break out into complete madness, I think it's all the more effective and shocking, because, yeah, you don't necessarily see it coming, and you're still tense, but it just springs that on you. So, yeah. Um, I've mentioned it already, the, but I, sorry, I... love
2: the cuts, the, uh, where they just fade to black rather than just immediately cut from one scene to the other. I think that helps <laughs> add to the tension.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a good... it's a good idea directing in general anyway because it's less jarring than like you said quick cuts or whatever so and i think it it perhaps also serves to make you think you don't know how much time has passed yeah which is handy in a situation like this um so yeah see i I mentioned already i like the fact that they go to the trouble of showing you the computer program being run that says you know there's a 75 percent chance that it'll you know take you all over and then it'll be a matter of months or whatever until the entire world population's taken over. I was like, talk about setting big stakes in that case. You know, it's like okay, we're talking about literally taking over the world here. Gotcha. Oof. <laughs> um, I think
2: that I think that computer scene was a last minute addition, if I remember
0: right. Really? Oh, yeah, well, that's interesting. You're so cool. Uh,
2: yeah, because now I
0: think about it, there really isn't anywhere else where they sort of mention like we can't let it escape because it might take over or whatever. So I can see why maybe. Um, I love that you see a guy actually being absorbed Uh, in the case of Bennings um, like you see the start of the process because he's just been spat on or whatever yeah (laughs) and even though like they apparently had a massive way more elaborate sort of uh, taking over mutation scene for Bennings and in the end had to scrap it and use claws that were apparently intended for a completely different monster movie I think that scene works really incredibly well, whether it's the, the way it's like subtly directed or the acting or whatever. I found that genuinely scary that like you just see what looks like him as per normal till he falls on his knees and then they come around to see him. And like I said, there's just the most bizarre claws and this open mouth shriek because it can't even speak properly. And I was like, that's effective for me, I think. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: like, like like I said before, that was the only scene that actually scared me. In terms of yeah. being scared,
0: I can see why. It's definitely it's just like
1: so unhuman and yeah, like the effects are are gorgeous. Like and when of you the think film. that
0: was that was literally just to save money because they couldn't afford what they'd planned to do,
1: I was like, well, it worked. <laughs> I th- I think it worked perfectly. I don't think I, I imagine if they got what they wanted, I don't think it would have been as good as this because even because no, I... it was all over the top and like turned into a big blob monster, it would kind of ruin it. Like later in the film, where you kind of get those kind of wacky, Mm. like morphing between dogs and humans, and instead, like the first kind of one you see is just his hands. So it's like, okay, so it's not going to be too bad. It's just, you know, it looks a bit weird. And then later on, it's like, my whole stomach is a mouse. So it's like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, this got very odd. (laughs) Uh, And the scream, uh, that 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 scream sends me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: See, it's the little sort of things, but yeah, just the sound. Of that and everything, and uh, the way it's performed, like I said, the sheer, the fact that it's it's you know they even say it's not Benning's, and then he's just like you mentioned, DK, he's got like a thousand yards there, and he just opens his mouth and screams, and it's very uh, ending of invasion of the body snatches, the not as good remake. So...
2: Outside Nelson, <laughs> uh,
0: I like how kind of scary Macready looks when he's all frozen and locked out. So as kind of Theo was hinting at, that adds to your suspicion of him. Um, again we mentioned it but we may as well mention how, how cool and iconic is the kind of chest bite scene when he's just defibrillating and then the hands are bitten off there's, can you imagine seeing that for the first time I can vaguely remember it and being like what the F just happened and then like I said the fact that it just becomes a whole mess and there's one head you know, on a little weird yeah. coil thing floating in the That's, air and the other one <laughs> detaching it so, so much happens
2: and it still yeah. throws me that scene
0: really wow yeah <laughs> Cool. Awesome. I just can't. I'd I'd love to know who was imaginative enough to think well, this is what's going to happen. It's going to grow a giant jaw in its chest. Then one head's going to float off somewhere. Then the other one's going to detach and become a spider that they then can't find. (laughs) You know? So, but um, on a plot level, I also appreciated the fact that somebody wisely points out that, like, if we do suspect Macready? He did just do a pretty good job of killing the actual de- <laughs> the, you know infected thing, so it doesn't really stand to reason at that point when he's basically torched the creature. But then mind. again,
1: that's like drawing it like attention away from himself. Like every every possible maneuver every yeah. character does, it can be explained by just well, it could be the creature playing smart. Like he knows the jigs up with the other one, so he's like, oh, let's kill that, and actually kills the other one. It's like, well, is it like it kind of smart.
0: Yeah, I see what you mean. Definitely. Um,
1: this is yeah. very hard to, like, believe anybody.
0: <laughs> that's the point of the plot, though, isn't it? You could constantly second-guess yourself, and you never know. And that's what the characters were obviously feeling, so...
2: Yeah,
1: that's cool. Yes, I mean,
2: immediately prior to Palmer being revealed, he's the one that comes out with the, you know, you've got to be kidding. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I never even picked that up, but you're right, absolutely, yeah.
0: That's a good point. Why would he be... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that's clever. I like that. <clears throat> I do think, though, in terms of the effects, I have to say, and I feel bad because I know that Rob Bottin basically hospitalized himself, during the blood test transformation when they reveal who it is, it does go very original Evil Dead for me. I was like, okay, this is now looking a bit too low-budget kind of. All right. I mean, I think it was the same year as Evil Dead, so maybe that's fair enough, but I just think it's so much better in all the others
2: anyway. um, Stock uh, cranberry sauce. Which bit was that? So one way the head's kind of chomping down on the
0: other head. It, that's how it ends, but it's just like as it first sort of starts to mutate when they've revealed it, it just becomes – it looks very like kind of a shrunken-headed dead evil dead character because um, the, the head shrinks around it and the eyes bulge out and then – Oh, yeah. It, yeah, I know what you mean now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it just – like I said, that effect for me didn't – I wouldn't say it didn't work because it was fine, but it just wasn't as good as the others – Particularly when it followed like the chest biting and the spider head and everything that were just flawless, more or less, you know, so um, anyway. Uh, The last note I have on the direction is just that even the aspect ratio is oppressive. Apparently, Carpenter fought to have it in this aspect ratio so that you feel boxed in, which I was like, okay, again, I appreciate it. Didn't even really notice until I read about it. So uh, yeah, awesome. Uh, Any other notes on direction before I, I move a little bit further on?
2: No, like I said, I just think I just think he's done a beautiful job with this, and it shows what he can do when you know given a budget. Definitely, one hundred percent, awesome. Um, you're gonna hate me because the next
0: thing that I have to say, the next section I have was sounds and music, and I have to say I'm not a fan
2: of the Ennio Morricone score, even though I know you are, TK. Probably, I, um, I love the carpenter side of thing, side of things. Right. As I love all carpenter soundtracks, I think the man's just so talented uh the uh the, there's there is one part I think it's when they're in the norwegian base and they discover the ice block that it mm. came from and morricone's soundtrack at that point it's just like someone strangling about 25 cats <laughs> <laughs> it, i so pitched i had to I, to I have to turn the sound down at that point yeah. I found a lot of it was like that, and a lot of it's jarring.
0: And a lot of it seems intrusive and kind of detrimental to any tension because, yeah, it's just like, well, I'm now thinking something's going to happen because it was quiet a minute ago. And now all of a sudden, like you said, it's like as if somebody just sat on a violin while strangling a cat. And I'm like, all right, what's this?
2: Yeah. About? <laughs> I mean, I love um, the soundtrack on the whole, but there are occasional, you know, motifs in there that I just think could have done without that really it's a bit too, I, yeah. too
0: much I found it a bit obvious I would I would say ultimately is what I would describe it as a bit like all yeah. right, it's on the nose um I did find out after I made this note by the way that this the, the uh, score was nominated for worst score at the Razzies but what <laughs> yep What? Uh, well I'm just saying I clearly agreed <laughs> yeah in terms of like things that were effective to scare us The weird what sounded like dying baby sounds when they kill Windows thing, they really bothered me. Like, they grated right through
2: me to a primal level. I was like,
0: what if you... I don't know how they
2: got those effects, but my word, that's freaky. The sound design for the creature itself is just phenomenal. Definitely, 100%.
0: Uh, Awesome. So um, I'm going to briefly talk before uh, I go to the next level of the game about the reception, but before I do that... Did you have any last thoughts just about the film? Uh, you know, things you liked, disliked, or, or you know, wanted to shout out before we
2: move on. There's uh, one. There's one scene. I think it's where the the dog is originally transforming, and the mm-hmm. big kind of claw comes out. I don't think right. that's aged as well as the rest of the effects around it. That kind of drew me out a bit. But for a 1982 movie, I mean, we're 40 years on now. Mm. it still holds up remarkably well and uh, yeah. other than that i think that a couple of minor and they are really minor problems such as that i just think it's a fantastic movie mm.
0: we know your opinion of uh, john carpenter so that doesn't surprise me <laughs> awesome uh what about you theo anything before i move to the reception the film got uh,
1: i think we pretty much touched on everything i'd want to touch on like i think the film is amazing like I think it's pretty perfect in terms of like what I'd want to see from this type of film, and yeah, the one standout scene for me is definitely when they're in the snow and the, the scream, and then that that mm. whole speech as well. That's just like that point of the film stands out to me so much.
0: Uh, I'm going to move us to the next section, which would be the favorite character moment and line. Um, I'll start with Will's because he did send me them, so I think I think you know why not? May as well. <clears throat> so Will said. Let's
1: see. Uh, movie good in it. That's probably. He's, it. <laughs> I just I was trying to find the
0: screen cap of the Discord conversation. Uh, his favorite character was apparently, in his words, my man Gary. He didn't elaborate <laughs> as to why. I don't. I don't know why. But okay. Um, his favorite scene was the blood testing scene, and his favorite line was "Then Norwegian," which I guess is for the humor of the line, not Swedish. Blah blah. blah. Um, so yeah, that that that. Gives Wills two cents on this anyway. Uh, but Theo, you're our guest, so I'll come to you next and say, who's your favourite character,
1: first of all? I am a basic man. I like MacReady. That's fair enough.
0: What about you then, DK?
2: I'm just as basic. It's got to be MacReady, isn't
0: <laughs> And I'm going to make it a trick of basicness, because it's also MacReady. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: mean... <laughs> But
0: with the proviso that that's because nobody really gets much character development, and I will say that even though I picked him, I do not like that he just straight up murders Clark. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, <laughs> uh, Theo. Then back to you. What's your favourite scene?
1: Uh, Priori, I've already talked about, it, but the uh, reveal—the first like proper thing reveal in the snow.
0: Oh, with the um, Bennings being taken. Yeah, over. Bennings, that that one. Got you. Okay, cool. That's a good choice, uh, DK.
2: Uh I think it's gonna to have to be the uh, defib D scene. That was a close second
0: for me, but I actually have the same as Will. It was the blood test scene for me
2: that was uh, that came out
0: on top. Um awesome. Uh so finally then until we get conclusions and audience interaction and conclusions. Theo, what was your favorite line, if you can think of any from the film?
1: Well, I wanna see if I can well one, one second, I just wanna to...
0: He's gonna look up quotes on IMDB. So why he does that?
1: <laughs> yeah, you guys go first. I'll, I'll be with you in a minute.
0: That's fair enough. DK, do you wanna give us your favorite line?
2: As much as uh I wanted it to be one of one of Palmer's, either the okay, thanks for thinking about it though. And you know, <laughs> the obviously you've got to be fucking kidding. I think my favourite's gotta be uh McCready's the whole I know I'm human, and if you were all these things, then you just attack me right now, speech. So I know
0: you aren't all, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, well, I, similarly to you, I very, I was so wanted to put you got to be fucking kidding, because it's the one that stuck in my mind on the first viewing of this, because it was very much how I was feeling. And I just appreciate that line. But in the end, I had to go with the conversation between McCready and Blair, uh, which is Blair saying, um, I don't know who to trust. And especially McCready's response. I know what you mean. Trust is a hard thing to come by these days. So yeah. that would be my pick. Theo, have you had a chance to scout the IMDB quote page yet? <laughs> this one. <laughs> oh, that's bone chilling. Oh. Kudos for looking up the exact scene and getting it nailed, though. Well that,
1: that, that, if that If we can cut that as a quote, that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm going to allow it because, heck, man, you've to the trouble of finding it. So. Uh,
1: Definitely s- allow it. So, just bone-chilling, just awesome. Definitely. It's like, this is a bit of a, not not a long tangent, but my two favourite sounds in all of cinema is that one, that scream, and in 127 Hours when James Franco's cutting the nerve in his arm. Oh, no, no, no. Those two sounds are my favourite just because they make me so, ugh. Yes.
0: Right, before we get to the conclusions and our final scores, then I'm going to go to the audience interaction section. Uh, as usual, I did put out on social media, what are your opinions of the movie The Thing? Uh, we didn't get a lot of responses. I've only got four, so I might as well read them out. <laughs> this obviously isn't counting Will's, as he's included amongst our conclusion. Uh, so Jonathan Deakin on Twitter says, it's the only film that has ever made me jump out of my seat. I was six feet tall and weighed 20 stone when I first watched this, but, but when it leapt out of a container, I leapt out of my seat. So, yeah. Um, at Mangler112 says, an absolute masterpiece, my favorite horror film ever. Um, at E. Kelly1701 says, The Thing is a positively brilliant film that goes far beyond gross out effects in exploring what happens to people when they are facing certain death. So powerful, I couldn't watch it for decades after a viewing at 17 that gave me nightmares for years. Sorry about that. Oh, my sure. Uh,
2: and and finally... On, Make people relive really trauma.
0: <laughs> right, so, uh, as I say, what we're going to do now, we are going to give a conclusion and a score out of five stars. That's how we always do it. Um, and once again, I'm just going to start by giving Will's, because he's not here, so that way get it out of the way. Um, Will's conclusion is simply, as we know, I do like my characters to have something to them, and the characters certainly do. The film does a great job at laying down each and every essential component of a competent film, and that's how it flies easily. Really tense and in that respect, especially with its superior pace, shits on the OG Halloween. I had to read that, he did write it. Uh, The music is also rather brilliant, it's a a great piece of media, but I think it falls short of a perfect score, because I'm not typically into this genre, although this was a great time, and he gave it 4.5 stars. Dookie, so let me just see where we are. Uh, Well, we'll go to you next, Um, Theo. Do you want to go next or? Yeah, I can do. Time to time to gather your thoughts. Okay, go for it.
1: Right, it's not gonna be as structured as Will, but um, I'll I'll give it a go. Um, inclusion. I think this film is phenomenal. I think it's definitely is deserves the appraisal it's getting nowadays. And I am flabbergasted at how it was initially treated on release. I Mm. think most of the characters are really likable with uh, a really likable, especially McCready. It's one of the films, only films that kind of creep me out in a sense that I've actually had a physical reaction to it and films that can give you a physical reaction. I tend to latch onto more just because most films don't really do that for me. But Mm -hmm. yeah, that the practical effects are stupendous for the time Mm -hmm. and even hold up very well nowadays. And yeah, I, I quite, and personally, I quite like the score. I think there's only a few downplays, but the score in total I think is amazing. I really like this film a lot.
0: Okay, so uh, stars out of five
1: then? Uh, I give it a five stars. <laughs> wow, perfect <score>. awesome. <laughs> Fair
0: enough. And uh, okay, DK, we'll come to you next. Why not?
2: <laughs> okay, what's to say that's not already been said? John Carpenter took a plot line from a 1950s B-movie novella adaptation Went back to the source material and gave us one of the all-time horror movie classics. Beautiful cinematography, amazing effects, great soundtrack, fantastic performances, and a script that keeps you guessing. I've said it before, and I'll continue to say until I'm no longer physically able. Eighties John Carpenter just cannot be beat, and I'm giving it a five in uh, 1978 john carpenter can't be beat but i'll let him. oh man
0: <laughs> jeez. <laughs> um right i'm gonna give my conclusion um it's not a total down <laughs> i'll say that no i did have to rework this and stuff with will so apologies it's a little bit long and it is written down but i just said um it's an absolute master class in showing paranoia and fear of the other uh, there's some good writing lots of imaginative ideas and brilliant direction I'm not sure if it needs to be as grotesque and gory to tell the story, but the effect scenes only really bothered me on first viewing. So either the impact is dulled after the shock factor is gone or I've just grown more desensitized and or seen way more weird shit by now. (laughs) The lack of an introduction or any real development of most of the characters is a weak point, seeming like their obvious death bother and making it a struggle to know their names or particularly care about them. More of this instead of gore might have been more effective for me, Uh, It's also a bit unclear how the alien takes you over copies, what happens to you as the original, etc. Uh, That said, this does a really good job emphasizing the effect and feeling of isolation. It portrays the detrimental impact of mistrust very well, though not quite as effectively as, say, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, The direction is notably outstanding, but not as good as Halloween, which remains Carpenter's masterpiece in my eyes. That's a high bar, though. Um, I should really hate the nihilistic tone, as it's not usually my thing, but I think it works incredibly well in this case, and it's a strength. Uh, In the end, I found this an enjoyable, easy watch. I wasn't especially tense, but then I've seen the movie a few times before, so there weren't exactly any surprises. There's some great acting, outstanding practical effects, and some truly iconic, well-staged scenes, but it's lacking that killer edge for me to put it into absolute top-level greatness, or call it a favourite. Still, though, it's undeniably very good, and I give it four out of five. So, uh, yeah, hopefully justified my score there with all that. Um, And as I said, I am including Will's score in the final score, So between the four of us, then, that makes the average 4.625 out of five. So we'll call it 4.6. Why not? So 4.6 out of five for The Thing. Pretty dang close to a perfect score, especially for a film with four people reviewing it, because that tends to knock the scores down a bit. So congratulations to The Thing for a very high score. Um, And yeah, awesome. Uh, Any last thoughts, anybody? (laughs)
2: John innit? <laughs> <That'll do> it. <laughs> it's John Carpenter, isn't it?
0: That'll <laughs> do it. Pretty good. Nice. Uh, Right. Well, all that remains for me to do then is to thank Theo uh, for joining us for this very special crossover Halloween episode. You'll Thanks be able for to having pop- me. Uh, if he's able to get it up open- and edited in his own way, you may well be able to see this on the big screen podcast. Cause I am sending the recording to Will. Uh, you'll definitely catch it on silver screen podcast though. Uh, and yeah, uh, it's been really fun. I've enjoyed the games that we played, the little Halloween ones. And, uh, I think it's, I still really enjoyed the movie. It feels like I was being perhaps a bit too negative for a four out of five score, but I did really enjoy it and I enjoyed talking about it with you guys, even though I've perhaps rambled a bit more than either of you. So, uh, awesome. So, uh, again, Theo, thanks again for joining us. Is there anywhere you want to plug or uh, your social media? or anything like that?
1: Uh, Well, on Letterboxd, the big screen podcast, Can't Speak to Yourself uh my personal youtube channel i wouldn't that wouldn't go miss. if i get a little shower there and try to get some traction on it
0: for sure yeah what uh what's that can people find that uh soup productions soup productions i did leave that in the um comments as well the last time you guessed it, but i'll do that again so oh you thank go. you <clears throat> and uh hopefully we'll have you back a few times i'm hoping next year um I'd i would be happy mean, we'll, to we'll running much so i will uh, I've got your contact details and I'll just bug the crap out of you till you join us a few times, probably. <laughs>
1: it's been more than ever It's been really fun.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I look forward to next time then. And uh, yeah, uh, thanks for joining us if you've made it this far, audience. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it as well. And I hope uh, you're enjoying the Halloween season.